As a professional in the fishing media, one of my key jobs is testing tackle for the companies we're affiliated with. And I'm going to talk about that process on this episode of Fishful Thinker, the podcast. I'm Chad Lachance, and you're listening to Fishful Thinker, the podcast. All things fishful, all the time. Hey guys, Chad Lachance here. Thanks so much for tuning in, as always, to this episode of Fishful Thinker, the podcast, brought to you by the fine folks at Sportsman's Warehouse. Of course, you can visit them at any one of 140-plus stores nationwide or at sportsmans.com. I was in Sportsman's the other day, and I was talking to a random guy who happened to spot me in there, and uh, I was in the Loveland store here in Colorado, and and the guy was curious because he'd seen several of my posts about a new lure that I've been touting for a little while. And he says, well, how can you have that much confidence in a new lure trying to convince me that I should have one of those new lures in my arsenal when you've only, it's only been on the market for a couple of months? And I tried to explain to him right away that, hey, I do product testing for that company and that I have a basic process that I use. And evaluating anything, whether it be a lure or a line or rod or anything like that. And he basically started drilling me. The guy was a process engineer by trade, which I found out shortly after we started talking. And I knew as a student of human behavior that when I was dealing with a guy like that, he's going to want details. And so basically I spent 30 minutes explaining to this guy my processes of how I go about testing stuff. And uh, by the time it was all said and done, it occurred to me because I've had other questions over time that perhaps I should probably discuss it publicly because the last thing I want is people to say exactly what he said. Like, well, geez, you've had that thing for 30 days. How can it be the latest and greatest? And the answer to that is I never do that. So let me back up just a tiny bit and clarify a couple things. One, before you ever hear about anything from me, I don't care if it's a lure, uh, a line, rod, any sort of fishing tackle, anything to do with any of my boats, anything to do with my Toyota Tundra, anything to do with any of my landing gear, whatever it might be, before I'll ever endorse anything um, or suggest anybody buy anything or anything along those lines, uh, it has to go through a significant amount of process with me because I have an aerospace engineering background similar to the guy I was talking to who's a process engineer. And I never worked in that field, but I was educated in that field at, at, at Embry-Riddle in Florida and uh, Daytona Beach there. and. I look at things with an engineering mind a lot of the time. I mean, after all, my company is Fishful Thinker, right? I'm a thinking guy, uh, probably to a fault in a lot of cases, but I'm a thinker. And I overthink, I underthink, I analyze, hypothesize, theorize all the time about almost everything. I'm a staunch advocate of what I consider best practices. Uh, meaning doing things the same way that achieve you success and doing them over and over again um, and such that you minimize mistakes or errors or anything like that. I'm a staunch believer in fully analyzing something uh, and not acting on small bits of data. And what that means is you need experience. And that's the first thing that is important for me. For me to be able to test anything, 
you have to have a fair bit of, of background on that thing in the first place or that style of that thing more, more correctly. So it wouldn't make me, I wouldn't be a very good lure tester unless I had significant experience with uh, lure testing or excuse me, lure use, I should say, over a long period of time. All kinds of lure use because I can't tell if something's good, bad, or ugly if I don't have a lot of experience to compare it to. Now, in the case of fishing, for me, I've been doing it since I can remember. Some of my earliest memories are fishing. So I've been at it for a long time, and I have been an artificial bait-only person since basically college, maybe even a little bit before that. I've always been intrigued by tricking fish into biting as opposed to feeding them. I don't care if it's a fly or a lure or whatever trick it is. I want to trick fish into eating something they would never otherwise eat as opposed to feeding them something they naturally eat that, oh, by the way, has a hook buried in it. So personal preference, don't judge. I don't judge you. The, the key is that's what gets me going. So I've been fishing with artificial lures my entire life, all kinds of artificial lures. So it, it allows me to look at anything that may be new with a, oh, let's say, filtered mindset of, well, okay, is this really different than what I did in the past? Does this bring something new to the table? Is it just refined or redesigned, or is it a fundamentally new thing? And both have their place in the market, I want to point out. Um, not everything I test is, uh, you know, oh my gosh, brand new, uh, in, you know, completely innovative, something like that. A lot of cases, it's testing refinements on something that was already either in the market or very successfully in the market. Maybe it's a competitor's item that has led the market for a long time, and now the companies I work with are trying to catch up to it. Maybe it's, um, you know, an ancient lure that had some significant faults and based on modern technology, they've made them better. There's a lot of scenarios like that. Maybe it's just the new model where everything from the last model of the same company has been slightly tweaked or refined uh, and that it could be all that. It could also be because I have a merchandising background from working at Sportsman's Warehouse and other places. I would actually did a stint at Home Depot uh, back in the early days. So I have a little bit of retail background. I've also got some restaurant background, not that that's completely relevant. But some of the things companies are looking at is just appeal, market appeal. Like, well, what do you think of this color versus this color versus this color? Which point is fairly straightforward, right? And, but at that point, you have to be careful and not use what, what they taught us in business school, because I did graduate from business school. Um, with, a, with a concentration in entrepreneurship, they teach you of being careful about the self-referencing criteria. So, meaning that I can't look at the world through only my eyes, but I have to use my eyes to evaluate to some degree, and then from there, it becomes very important to understand what everybody else kind of does. And I don't think you have to understand it at a deep level, but you have to have a pretty good idea of it before you can be a tester. And to that end, I worked at Sportsman's Warehouse for almost five years and in, in behind the real bar, in the fishing department, just like uh, every other associate there, even after the TV show launched. And the reason that I did that was because I knew I had to be in tune with the industry a little bit more. And by that, I mean I needed to be in tune with what the average guy that walks into Sportsman's Warehouse on a, on a Friday at 5.30, going to go fishing this weekend, 
what is he looking for? What questions are they asking? What what is what's their average you know price range they're looking at? And you can't lump any one person into you know together into a group, so you have to spend some time doing it. Well, for me, it was a very calculated decision to work at Sportsman's Warehouse from that reason. It, obviously, I wanted to be in the industry and I wanted to be around like-minded folks, but selfishly, I really wanted to learn what all of those folks were doing uh, day in and day out in terms of their angling. And that's because I had eyes on the bigger prize, which is running my fishing company. And for the record, I have not worked at Sportsman's Warehouse since 2010, I believe. Uh, maybe late 2009 even. And so um, I wanted to spend all that time learning about the public's buying habits, questions, concerns, uh, all of those things. And so I was selfishly gathering that data for myself the whole time I was working there at Sportsman's Warehouse. Now, you, if you listen to this podcast much, you know Sportsman's Warehouse has gone on to, to be a partner of mine, has from the very, very beginning of my fishing career, and I'm grateful for that. Hopefully they don't hold this against me that I had other things in mind when I worked there, and I don't think they will because obviously they signed up to, uh, to sponsor me moving forward as a, as a promotional partner with the television show. So not telling you anything that, that they aren't probably aware of at this point. But during that time frame, what I found out is a lot of people put a lot of faith in referrals. And as a guy who fully understands that the only thing you have at the end of the day is your reputation and credibility, I'm very, very careful about talking about a product that I don't have extensive experience with. So, uh, Having said that, my process for testing something is fairly clear. So I'm going to use a couple of products as an example because it's probably the easiest way to communicate this whole thing. And uh, one of those is going to be the Berkeley Power Switch because it's front of mind. It's one I've just got done working with. It is now uh, on the market. came out in July of this year or was out, announced to the public in July of this year. It is now being sold in stores. And guys are starting to pick them up around the marketplace. And so it's now that I'm getting questions about that lure that a year and a half ago, I was already fishing, but I couldn't tell anybody about or couldn't show them. And that's part of the deal. I have non-disclosure agreements on file with a couple of companies. That's very important because they ship me stuff that competitors can't see. And it's muy importante that I keep that stuff under wraps. Having said that, I need to get in the boat and use it or get on the bank or whatever case might be and use it. And in my case, I need to use it in a lot of scenarios. So um, the NDA gives me the ability to be exposed to stuff that I wouldn't otherwise be exposed to. And in some cases, it's in a back room somewhere at ICAST a year before a product will come out. In some cases, it's it's mailed to me in a discreet overnight. Uh, in some cases, it's, hey, come test drive this. In some cases, it's come to Ranger Boats and drive all of these boats uh, and have this extensive knowledge of, of the different hulls with the different motors on them, which is a great job if you can get it. Uh, there's just a lot of things like that where you have to be exposed to a level of of a high level of different stuff before you can evaluate how any one thing works. So when it came to this power switch, part of the reason that they used me is it's a hybrid jig. And they use other people around the country, don't get me wrong, it's not like that whole testing thing is in my lap. There's a whole pile of us around the country with varying um, 
different experiences. In other words, a guy in, in, that fishes in Minnesota predominantly would have different experiences than a Florida guy that would have different experiences than me being here out west, even though undoubtedly we all travel. Our core stuff is still our core stuff. And so one of my core presentations has always been jigging and specifically finesse jigging. And uh, the partners I work with know that. And therefore, to that end, I've tested everything from rods to lines to jig heads to bodies of all kinds um, for this for Berkeley or Abbey Garcia or Fenwick or uh, Strand in some cases or Spiderwire or whatever the case might be. So the power switch came out and uh, I learned of that one. It was the classic one. I learned about that one in a back room and, and I cast. Uh, they confirmed my NDA is still current and then a guy takes you in the back and sneaks out a little box that's blacked out. It's a little Plano 3700 box that's blacked out so you can't see in it. I mean, that's how picky they are about people seeing stuff. They hand me a selection of sizes with no color. I fly them home, and then over the next year, I start using them in every scenario in which that particular lure might somehow be relevant. And in the case of the power switch, being a, a hybrid jig, the places where it's relevant is huge. And admittedly, it was invented uh, with some help from John Hoyer and the folks at Berkeley to target bass and walleyes, and actually specifically walleyes at first, but then they found out bass ate it real good. Well, uh, for me, it's a finesse jig. No matter how I look at it, it's a, it's a version of a jig, it's a hybrid jig, and therefore it has a lot more applications than that. And so, and they recognize that, they being the, the powers that be at Berkeley, and so they gave me a box of them ranging from little tiny ones, inch and three quarter, all the way up to five inches and said, put these through their paces. Incidentally, all of them were the same color, clear, with a little bit of sparkle in them, and some eyeballs on them. So in other words, not the color they're gonna to come to you know, production in. Uh, in fact, that color may not even go to production. I mean, there's all kinds of things like that. But they sit, I get this whole box of them, and then I'm supposed to start playing with them. So the first thing I will do is check them for accuracy. In other words, this, this lure says it's a quarter of an ounce. Is it actually a quarter of an ounce or is it more than that? And that sounds really dumb and I, and I get it, but I've done this with jig heads and I've done this with every other kind of lure you can imagine with a very high dollar digital scale that measures out to the tenth of a gram or a hundredth of a gram, excuse me. And in my experience, very rarely does a quarter ounce lure weigh anywhere near a quarter of an ounce. So the first thing I'll do is check them. Is the packaging correct? And why is that important? Well, that's important because the rod you're going to cast it on needs to be in that weight range. So if that needs to be designed, I should say, to throw that weight range. So a medium power rod typically throws somewhere between an eighth and five-eighths of an ounce. That's a general standardization of what a medium power spinning rod will do. Well, if this lure is marked as an eighth, but it's actually less, I'm going to suggest it, that they relabel it such that a guy doesn't try to throw it on his medium power rod, and then he doesn't like it because it doesn't cast well, and he won't buy any more of them. So that scenario. So I'll check them for weight. The next thing I will do is check the hooks. How easy do they bend? How uh, well do they penetrate? And that's pretty straightforward, the hooks. I use a piece of leather for that at first. Will this hook just pop right in here or not? And uh, what kind of resistance do I have? Once it's in that leather and I pull it out, is it going to bend? And so I'll go through that with, with I'll take one bait and go through a whole bunch of stuff like that with it. 
The next thing I'll do is dig at the eyes. Will the eyes stay on this thing? Basically, I'm doing some durability testing, and I'll do that over a little bit of time. From there, I'll start figuring out how to use it in its best application. So the only way I can do that is to fish it against something that I believe is going to be similarly, um, let's say, positioned in the market. So if I'm going to look at, and we're going to pick a, a very standard thing right here, and I say I'm, I'm going to pick a 3-inch uh, power switch. Well, I'm going to consider that I'm going to fish that most likely in the same places I would fish a, say, three to four inch, um, you know, gold minnow, straight bodied of some, you know, whatever, some sort of soft plastic on a jig head. And that's the first thing I'm going to do is, is decide on that. And then I'll rig those items and I'll go out and fish and I'll try to compare it um, side by side. So I'll make a few casts with the power switch and a few casts with, the, say, in this case, the gold minnow or the power minnow on a jig head. I'll continue to go back and forth like that and see which one's getting more bites, less bites, things like that. What is slowing me down on one of them? It's not all about bites all the time. It, from the standpoint of angling, it's a lot of times about efficiency. So... For instance, if I'm using something like a goat minnow, I catch a couple fish, my minnow doesn't necessarily want to stay on the hook as well as it did before on the jig head. Well, with the power switch, it does, and it's not a problem. So you have that to consider, is the fact that it's more efficient to fish with because I'm not having to go through more bodies. Now, the other thing I'll look at in that same along those same lines is the value, okay? Is this going to last for 5 fish, 10 fish, 20 fish? I mean, if you get more than a half dozen fish out of a typical soft plastic body, you're doing pretty good. In a lot of cases it's going to be 2 to 3 fish out of a plastic body, in some cases only one. Well, if I can take the power switch and I can catch 30 of them with it, well, it's a pretty good value then because I would have gone through a lot of the other soft plastics uh, to get that same scenario. So it's not just about getting bites. It's also about uh, the durability of it and the value thereof that comes from being durable. So that's a key thing. I'll look at it for snagability. Is this thing more or less prone to snag than other jigs in a similar weight or design range. And then from there, I'll start extrapolating out for different. Will this do something different than these other jigs will do? Can I jig it? Is it better jigged vertically? Does it glide to the side better? Does it, does it, you know, whatever the case might be, there's all different things. Or does it just nosedive to the bottom and therefore it sinks better? In the case of this particular one, the power switch, how well does it show up on my forward-facing sonar, which is a key thing. In other words, it's sonar profile. And I'll be honest with you, that's a new thing. That's not something that we've all been testing baits for in the past. I mean, the only time we ever saw them on our sonar at all was vertical straight under the boat uh, or ice fishing. And now with forward-facing sonar, lots of guys around the country are looking at lots of lures, all kinds of lures. And so its ability to show up on your forward-facing sonar is a thing. And that's one of the things I had to check on the power switch is how well can I see this thing versus other things I could fish there. Can I fish it horizontally and keep it in my beam? Uh, do I have to work it real fast, keep it from sinking too fast? In other words, is its profile versus its weight versus its water resistance in general, um, does that all balance out to make a bait I can fish in a reasonable speed horizontal, yet still sinks fast enough that I can fish it deep if I want? And those two things go against each other. And so as a tester, I'm taking very good, uh, paying very good attention to all that and taking notes. 
The other thing I'm looking at very cons- with anything I'm testing is consistency from one to the other to the other. They all have to be the same. And that is also something that I'm very, very picky about when it comes to lures. And it's one of the reasons that I'm so big on things like the hit stick as opposed to the old balsa. I got lots and lots and lots of bites on old balsa lures, tons of them, and so is the rest of the world. But what you didn't get was consistency from bait to bait to bait. We all had our favorites. This particular one works really good. Uh, Well, when you make them out of plastic and you make them with a mold and you do it in a high-end facility that takes um, uh, a lot of attention to detail when it comes to to making every one of them the same, the internal weighting's the same, the thickness of the plastic's the same, the bill angle, all of that, the molds are perfect and they're the same every single time. So I don't have to wonder if if this bait will run or not. So I want to know, are they all consistent? And like I said, if you use a natural material like balsa wood, that's basically impossible to do. And when you make it out of plastic, it's a little simpler. So things like that I will look at when I'm testing something for sure. Uh, if I'm testing something like um, the power switch, the other thing I'm looking at is multi-species applications. How many places, how many fish can I get to bite this thing? And I knew just looking at the power switch that, and with it being a hybrid jig and the size ranges it was in, that if it, it was even decent in terms of its weight to profile ratio, I knew I would catch a lot of different fish with it. And at this point, I've got a whole stack of fish already. In 18 months of fishing that thing, I've got a pile of fish from lake trout to bluegills and everything in between. And uh, that does not come as a surprise to me. It was more confirming what I anticipated. And I would say of those, the trickiest one was the lake trout. Uh, because they're notoriously finicky, finicky eaters, I should say, and they had no problem scarfing up that that jig, and therefore I, I can say with certainty that, hey, a lot of fish will bite this thing. I haven't had it in salt water yet, but when I get it in salt water, uh, I suspect we're going to get a lot of bites with that thing as well, and just to be candid, between uh, here and there, the hook is not big enough in my, or not uh, strong enough, thick enough, heavy enough wire for salt water. That'd be the only application or the only concern I would have for salt water. Otherwise, I know it will get bites. But I look at all of those things when evaluating the bait, and then I go from there. With, a, with line, it's very similar. I'll take two lines that are basically the same. They're sent to me with just an A and B. I'll put them on identical reels and I will fish them. I will test them for stretch and I will measure that. I'll test them for knot strength and I'll measure that. I'll purposely break them. I'll purposely stretch them and see if they return to their length. I'll do all kinds of stuff on top of just fishing with it. And just fishing with it it would take you years to learn as much of the nuances as you can learn pretty quickly by being a calculated tester. And so when I'm testing line, uh, I'm very, very careful about that uh, to treat the lines the same. I don't want to compare a, some kind of latest and greatest new line that I'm going to compare and contrast with an older line. Let's say I'm testing nylon monofilament. Well, I don't want to test uh, using an old spool of monofilament against this new line. The new line's going to win every time. So if I want to test it against an established model of monofilament, then I need a new box of that as well. And that's one of the things I do. I treat them the same. I put them on the same reels. Uh, and I fish them the same lures and all of that. And that's very important to establish real results. One of my biggest pet peeves is 
pros or otherwise, anybody out there that's tested something for two days and then now it's their latest and greatest lure. Or worse yet, they're just regurgitating what they were told by the designers or something like that. And I'll throw out there that it's pretty common for me to go back and forth with designers, um, maybe even to the point of arguing with them uh, about, hey, I get what your design says, but this is what the real world is showing me. And they have to trust me just like I have to trust them. And that's just how it goes. And they do. And that's important. Uh, Same thing with fishing rods. When it comes to fishing rods, you have to understand why the fishing rod behaves the way it does. I was one time sent a blank and the only, or a rod, I should say, and the only difference between it and the other one was a different guide train. And I could feel the weight difference in the guide train because it slowed the blank down and meaning that it, it didn't recover, didn't respond as fast because it had to move the weight of the guide train. And I caught that right away, got a hold of the designer, I was correct, and uh, that was an important thing for me to be able to observe. Some of that probably comes from my aerospace education. But at the end of the day, you have to be able to feel it as an angler, and that comes from a lot of experience, and more importantly than experience, um, observant experience. In other words, experience where I'm very much trying to observe the nuances of whatever it is I'm doing. And I am an ardent student of nuances because these days 90% of everything is known. It's the last 10% that make the difference, whether it be in the boat or the truck or everything else. All the trucks on the market right now are, are say, 90% of what the other one will do. But the nuances between a Toyota Tundra and somebody else's truck are different, uh, and that's what's gonna separate them. And same thing with a lure, with line, with a rod, or a reel, or whatever. When it comes to reels, I'll test very specific things, like the anti-reverse bearing. I'll purposely freeze the reel, uh, and try to see if it'll still work in the freezing temperatures. I'll dunk them in water and see if they stay smooth. I mean, there's just a lot of things like that that I do, but I want to assure you guys this, and the single biggest reason is this guy, was the guy that I met at Sportsman's Warehouse to circle back, the other day, he he was very skeptical of anything I put out there, and I, as far as recommendations, and he lumped me into a bunch of other people, and I take pride in the fact that I do that testing at a higher level. And there are some scenarios where I'm probably not the right guy to test something because it's not the style of angling that I'm best at. But with the rest of my skill set and the rest of my experience level, I can still do a pretty good job. For instance, I don't just fly fish all the time. I do a lot of fly fishing, but it's not my forte. I'm not a, 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 hey, I'm a fly fisherman, right? I'm a fisherman. I'm not a fly fisherman. I'm not a bass fisherman. I'm not a trout fisherman. I'm a fisherman, period. And so when I picked up the latest and greatest Hardy Marksman Z and they want a legitimate opinion of this rod and I go cast that thing, I can tell you uh, unequivocally that it, first of all, that in this particular case, that rod is an absolute cannon that made my casting look good. And that alone is all I need to know. If it will make my casting look good, a guy that only fly fishing, that only fly fishes will do real well with it. And that rod has since come to market. And yes, it is since doing very well with guys far better at fly fishing than I am. So at the end of the day, I want you guys to understand that if I spit something out and say, hey, this, this new Berkeley power switch is legit, 
It's not based on a few days or a few months. I didn't get it a couple days ago at ICAST, or I didn't, it's not just new to the market and they finally shipped me some. It's because I've been fishing it for a long time in a lot of scenarios, purposely putting it in scenarios that maybe it's not even really designed for just to see how it will do. I'm quite certain John Hoyer wasn't thinking lake trout when he designed the power switch, but I don't know of any other fish that's harder to get to bite than a lake trout, so why not test it on lake trout? And that's exactly what I do. So you can take confidence in it. The other thing I'll throw out there is if anybody, if I ever recommend anything and somebody has questions about it, I would love to hear them. If you have a negative experience with a product, I would love to hear that as well. And of course, if you have a great experience with it, hey, fantastic, I don't need to hear it. I just take it for granted that you did okay with it because I didn't hear back. But I really enjoy sharing what I do, and I take my testing very seriously. Uh, it's part of a job, yes, but the older I get, the more I enjoy the testing side of it. And also, I'm, I'm, I feel like the better I get at it because I've been doing it for a long time, and I've been fishing for a long time, and the bigger, higher level of experience you have, the better chances you are at having a pretty good opinion of other things that happen out there. The one thing you have to keep in mind is you have to have, as a product tester, you have to have an open mind. I am the last guy to gravitate to the latest and greatest simply because it's the latest and greatest. But just because I have some item that I really, really have a tremendous amount of confidence in doesn't mean that there isn't something new coming out that might be better and therefore testing it thoroughly against my known confidence thing is very, very important. So uh, hopefully that makes sense to you guys. I know it's kind of a random podcast and not fundamentally different than a couple others that I've done, but it was kind of front of mind since I was just at Sportsman's and had this conversation with a guy and not naive enough to think that you guys listen to all my podcasts. But if you do want to listen to all of them, please subscribe wherever you listen. I would appreciate that very much. If you have questions, concerns, whatever, you can email me, chat at Fishful Thinker. I would love you to join uh, our social media at Facebook. Um, Instagram or TikTok and especially our YouTube channel uh, at Fishful Thinker, of course, there. So thanks so much for listening. This has been Fishful Thinker, the podcast.